Aleluya, aleluya. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that you're here today. Today's going to be a beautiful day and you know, you made a choice as you uh, got up this morning. You looked at your wife or your husband or you told yourself, I'm going to church. And sometimes when you do that on a day that's opposite of all the other six, there's all kinds of distractions that can get in your way. And, and today, I'm glad that you're here because I believe that you're here with a purpose. How many people believe that God is still on the throne? Amen. This is a Veterans Day weekend, and we just want to say a special appreciation. I want to pray over them and all of our country. Uh, if you're a veteran, would you just raise your hand? Look at all of these wonderful people that have served. Let's give them a hand. Praise God. Let's pray this morning. Thank you, Father, for our country and these wonderful people that have served our country. And, and Father, we believe. God, there's a lot of things that are going on wicked in our country, but God, for us, we will choose to confess and believe that this is a country that is built on Your name and will continue to do that. Father, we believe that, God, that You are the God of our country and, Father, the people. God, will begin to understand more about You and the love that they will have for You. And, Father, we'll see a change. We pray for our President and our Congress. Father, that you would touch them and make our country strong. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. How many's enjoying the cool weather? All right. You know, one thing we know is that uh, the colder it gets, it seems like more people drink coffee. And, uh, you know, uh, it's amazing how many Bible groups meet at our coffee shop. And if you saw me post yesterday, there's... A lot of groups, and, and what I mean by groups is more than, you know, maybe two or three friends getting together. We have numerous of those, but I'm talking about groups of men's Bible study and, and ladies' Bible studies. You know, uh, the guys down there working, they go, it, it's so funny because when the men's Bible study, usually they're always on Saturday morning and, and they're only an hour long. I mean, usually they're boom, boom, and they're out. The ladies are all through the week and they just linger. They linger. We like the ladies as far as the coffee business. Uh, and uh, yesterday there was a huge uh, church group that met uh, and, and they reserved the back room. And as I said on Facebook, they came out and they're like, this is amazing. You know, like it's a new day and a new way. And, and so uh, the people that go to our church that work there and, and I was there. And uh, let me just tell you, I kind of felt proud for you guys and how God is doing a mighty work in our church and through our church. And uh, I, I believe that it's just the beginning of great things that are happening. We know that all the things that are happening, we have a, a way of going into our community instead of just letting our community come to us. And we believe that we have a, the availability and the want to of having them come. But a lot is, as we know, that people don't know how, don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And as we build relationships, and we encourage you to pray for the coffee shop and also support that. 
And when you walk into your coffee shop and, and you're sitting there, just open up your ears. You know that we live in a world of problems and people that have problems. And, and you might not have all the answers, but you know where to go to get those answers. And that's Jesus Christ. I'm so glad to have my in-laws here uh, today. Friend Gloria Owens, let's give them a hand. They have pastored for, uh, I think it's a thousand years now. And they're only 29, so they, they got it all into that short amount of time. And uh, they pastor in Oklahoma, uh, Tecumseh, Oklahoma. And uh, the same year as I took this church in 1992, uh, they took the church there in Tecumseh. So we, we, we've been in those locations a long time, and it's always good to have uh, them with us and uh, love my in-laws. Well, th this has been a week, as you know, and, and as we push in, that, that we, we come to church with a purpose of listening to the Word of God for our lives. And, and so many times when you hear the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, if you'll allow Him, He'll customize it to your life. And how do I know that? Because over the years, I've had people come and go, Pastor, you remember when you talked about pop, 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 pop? And I, <laughs> I never preached on that. But they heard something that God spoke to them during those times. Church, this is a time that uh, that this message is timely, and, and I just kind of want to speak against that static right now, okay? Because you saw, you know, some of you might have thought, "Wow, lighting effects!" Getting up, that wasn't supposed to happen. Let me just tell you that uh, we have technology, and it's usually to to make it brighter or to add a little color to it, and sometimes that kind of gets blinking and goes on and off and stuff. But let me tell you. Uh, we, we can see through all those little things, and we'll, we'll just keep going. Uh, I know that my cousin, uh, pastor of the church in Amarillo, and he says that the lights turned off one Sunday. I mean, they couldn't see him. He couldn't see them. So somebody handed him a phone with a little flashlight on it, and he just kept preaching. And he said somebody that day, one of the uh, people that was visiting, said, man, I want to know Jesus. And, and just because of that whole experience... Yeah, so anyway, amazing things can happen even though technology can uh, come and go. We've had some great things happen this week. As you know, uh, we've been praying for a young man that goes to our church, uh, Brett Emmerich. And, and what Brett uh, has gone through in his life is just more than all of us can imagine. Uh, but early on in life, they put a shunt in his head. And that shunt uh, sometimes can be blocked and they're going to have to replace it one day. But uh, as I visited with his mother and him yesterday in the hospital, uh, she just kind of, and if you know his mother, she's a wonderful lady, but she kind of got a little quiet, and she said, she said, you know what? This is a good thing that has never happened before. She said, usually when he has a problem, he'll go to bed, and he'll be in a coma. And then we'll rush him to the hospital, and through surgery, and only surgery, will he wake up. As you know, that we began to pray for him early this week, and um, the doctors, when they came in, um, they they checked everything out, as a lot of times you've heard praise reports, and, and the, the result comes back is, we don't know what happened. 
and uh, everything is okay and everything is clear and uh, what we were thinking, you might have to stay longer, but how's noon about going home? And so him and his mother were very excited and very appreciative of prayer in their life. And I know that each one of us are appreciative when we go through things. And again, we're reminded that God is in our life and is concerned about those times that we're in need and, and as well as all of our life. But in those times of need, that a lot of times we come back to the fact that, God, I love you. And to be thankful of what God is doing. You know, this week starts a new sermon series. And the series is entitled, You Are an Original. And today's title of this individual sermon is entitled, The Sabotage of the Box. You know, uh, Gwen and I were able to go on an anniversary trip. And the church was able to bless us last year. And we went to a little place in Italy called the Vatican. If you, if you ever heard about the Vatican, been there, you know it is nothing, there is nothing little about it. I mean, it is huge and grandeur and all this stuff. And, and when we were going, we, we got one of the uh, tour guides. Of course, we didn't know what was happening, where we're at, how to get to one place next. And you got this little earbud that's down, you know, little deal. And she's talking on something similar to mine, and, and, but you're hearing it. So there's all these hundreds and thousands of people and you go in and you're looking in this piece of art and this piece of art and this sculptor and all these things and all the history. And then she says, we'd like to take you into the Sistine Chapel. So, you know, you, you kind of get ready. All right, here we go. And they said it was going to be closed in a few seconds. She said, follow me. And I mean, we went through the back corridors and through this way and through that way. We, we never found it, but we, with her knowing where we were going, Boom! We come out and we walk into that chapel. Now, let me tell you, it is over a hundred and I believe it's 130 feet long. That's longer than this whole building. The, the, the chapel part in, in the roof, when you go in there, you, you don't have to go. Now, are we in the Sistine Chapel? I mean, it is amazing. It, it looks like the colors of a... Now, I downplay it a little bit. It, it's not a comic book, but you know how the colors in a comic book are just, what? I mean, they're brilliant and they're popping out. It, and as we we're looking at that, we we're hearing through the earbud of all the things that... See, Michelangelo built or painted that. He didn't really want to do that because he was more, he felt like a sculptor instead of a painter. And so he kind of had a problem, but the Pope commissioned him and because of who he was, and he, he took the challenge on. And, and maybe you've heard the story of laying on his back for four years, painting that. Even some people think that the cause of his early blindness was because of the paint that would fall into his eyes. Now, I want you to see something here, because what's pretty amazing is that chapel was built, and for 32 years that ceiling was there. But until Michelangelo, the artist, got involved and painted that beautiful, beautiful ceiling that nobody really, to my knowledge, went through that chapel just to see that roof. Wow. Nothing. Another ceiling. But do you know that they tell me that up to 20 million people a year now will, will go to that place in the Vatican and to look at that ceiling 
And in the summer, 20,000 a day in the summer will go through that. And you'll go, oh, no. Well, I'm there to tell you there was at least 20,000, I think, in the chapel with me that day. I mean, they're all pushing. And the the men are dressed really nice on the sides going, shh. Because it's a church. And you go in there. And they tell you don't take a picture, you know. just. But I kind of, I got to, you know, you know. So I bring out my cell phone and I click the picture of the ceiling. Ah, just being transparent here. So I thought, I'm going to send that to my children because they're not on the trip. <laughs> so I sent it to my children. I said, guess where I'm at? And my lovely daughter put, probably in jail for taking a picture of <laughs> Now let me tell you this morning, as we start this series on you are an original, that God has, the the whole part of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 talking about you are His masterpieces with a purpose that He designed. And so many times in our life we begin to downplay that in our life and then we begin to downplay it in other people's life. And we go, ah, and sometimes we begin to look for people and we want to be a replica of another person. Well, I'm here to tell you today that you are an original. And we're going to kind of come against some things that come into people's life. First is discouragement and and the bitterness and frustration and and the boundaries that the enemy would like to put us in. And we're going to break out of that. And some of you at the very, very least will be reminded of who you are in Christ Jesus. I want you to remember that God has created you with a purpose and therefore your future is secure. Let's look at Luke chapter 7 verse 11. I want you to remember this passage because it's so easy. 7:11. Some of you are already getting hungry for whatever you get at 7:11, but Luke chapter 7 verse 11. And I'm going to read out of the Passion translation. It says, shortly afterwards, Jesus left on a journey for the village of Nain with a massive crowd of people following him. Listen to that. There's a massive crowd. It's a parade, man. It is going on. Along with his disciples, as he approached the village, he met a multitude of people in a funeral procession. Now, listen, now there's another parade, but it's a mourning. It's a bitter, it might be a tormented parade coming at him. A funeral procession who were mourning as they carried the body of a young man to the cemetery. The boy was his mother's only son and she was a widow. Now, now, as I'm reading this, put yourself in this picture. Even if you're not in the funeral procession or in the celebration procession, that you're watching this happen in a bird's eye view. The boy was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. When the Lord saw the grieving mother, his heart broke for her. With great tenderness, he said to her, please don't cry. I didn't mean to have background music, but I kind of like it. Excuse me why I speak a second language. Ex ne on the muse. Okay. (laughs) Then he stepped up to the coffin. Now watch this. 
Then Jesus steps up to the coffin and touched it. When the pallbearers came to a halt, Jesus said to, to the corpse, Young man, I say to you, arise and live. Immediately, the young man moved, sat up, and spoke to those nearby. Jesus presented the son to his mother alive. I love that, that the, the, the writer has to put. And he presented it to mom alive. A tremendous sense of holy mystery swept over the crowd. That's another word for it. They were terrified. Good night. Did you see what happened? A holy mystery swept over the crowd as they witnessed this miracle of resurrection. They shouted praises to God saying, God himself has visited us to bless his people. A great prophet has appeared among us. Now watch this. The news of Jesus and this miracle raced throughout Judea and the entire surrounding region. Now this morning I want you to see something. Because the title of my message is The Sabotage of the Box. The definition of sabotage is this. Any underhanded interference with production or advancement. It's an underhanded, it, it is a, a way of keeping someone from being advancing in their life. Sabotage. Now this morning, the Webster's definition of coffin is actually a box or a chest. It is to enclose and to have a lid upon it. Now, watch this. As we talk about the sabotage of the box, I want again to go back to the passage of Scripture and you see these two huge groups of people coming. Now, one group is celebrating and having all the great time of the day. I mean, they're high-fiving. Some of them are there maybe that have just gotten healed. Some of them are there because a family member got healed. Whatever happens, they're celebrating. I, I bet someone's yelling, man, I was blind and now I can see. Somebody might have been there and might have had a hand that now is the same as the other hand because Jesus healed them. There's somebody there that was there that might have couldn't even saw yesterday, but today they can see all these colors, things that we take for granted. And man, let me tell you, it's hard to keep people quiet that have experienced life. And here's this group of people and they're celebrating. I don't know what they're singing. Maybe Jehovah Jireh, my provide. You guys don't know that song. I love that song. And they're coming, and all of a sudden in a distance, I, I just have to believe that here's this funeral procession coming, and nobody has to tell you, I wonder what's happened in that group. They're carrying, the pallbearers are carrying this box, this, this coffin on their shoulder. And as they approach, you can hear the wailing of the people that are mourning of the loss of this boy. Some of them might have been even crying because of the, the, the condition of the mother. But I want you to see what's amazing is when these two come together, boom, something happens when they collide and all the darkness of the death that was never meant, listen to me, never meant to be in this world, but because of sin coming into this world, then death and destruction followed it. Here comes Jesus and here he is in a situation where he sees someone in a spot that is mourning and he says, you know what? Enough darkness. And when Jesus comes into that situation and that, that problem that the mother's having and, and all those people that are having, all of a sudden that celebration overtakes that sadness. Let, let me just go back 
In verse 13 it says, When the Lord saw the grieving mother, his heart broke for her. I want you to understand that in your situation, God knows exactly where you're at. And sometimes we get so tired. We get so frustrated that we think that God, you don't know, you don't. And we go, why, why, why? As Gwen preached last week. I want to tell you right now in your situation, God knows exactly where you are. And he's concerned and he knows the answer. He says, please don't cry. I, I love this part. It says that he steps up and he touches the coffin. Do, do you understand that he can't touch the boy, but he can touch the thing that is holding the boy in the position that he's in, the coffin. And then he begins to speak to the situation. Now, everybody that was in the parade with him is going like this. Oh, look out, look out. It's coming. Everybody in the Sangness procession is going, man, I don't know what he's doing. He's up there with that dead body. Get down. I want you to understand that there's a difference in the way that they're looking at it. See, the mother could have even heard stories of, of, of people in the Old Testament like Elisha, where, where he laid upon the Shumanite's son that had died and, and breath came back in him and, and he came alive. Maybe she knew stories like that, but that doesn't work today. This is, this is the, the, the many years past that. But everybody in Jesus' procession was going, oh, that's what I just said yesterday. And the Bible says that he comes up and he gets up and he begins to touch the coffin and then he speaks, young man, I say to you, arise and live. Immediately, I love the interpretation of this passage because it says immediately the young man moved. Now, you, you, you might not be a person of very much emotional outburst, but I guarantee you, if you're a mother in this situation and the boy that is dead begins to move, how many people believe that you might find a little emotion tucked in somewhere around there? The young man moved. Then he sat up and then he spoke to those nearby. Now, what, what, did, did, they, did that actually say that he spoke? Well, what do you think he said? Oh, we're going to talk about that in a minute. Now, the Bible doesn't say what he said, but since I'm preaching this message, I'm going to tell you what I think he said. See, in, in this male-dominated culture, here's this woman, and she has lost her husband and her son, and she would be in a place of a hopeless future. Some people believe that widows almost had to live off the scraps of other people's table if they were not taken care of by a family member. But here's another cultural thing that I, I just I came across and I heard. It's a lot of time in this society, you could not go down, if you did not know that, to local Walmart or Dillard's or wherever you buy your clothes. And you just couldn't do that. Clothes were very costly and very rare. So one of the, the, the uh, places where I read is a lot of times in this culture, in a situation like this, the men of the community could go and request when they realized that that was the last male figure in that house that had, had lived, now he is dead. They could go request his clothes. Hey, 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 
ma'am, could, could I have the hat? Could, could I have the shoes? Somebody else get the pants? And, and here's what was pretty odd to me is that, that culturally, that they would even sometimes wear it to the funeral to honor the death and, and to look their best. Something different, something nice. Do, when you get clothes, do you like to wear them like the next day? I'm telling you, when I buy Gwen clothes, she wears them out of the store. She, she's ready. And the people would come and they would request the clothes and they would wear them to the funeral. And you know what? I think that this morning, let me just say this. I believe that some people here have not realized that Satan would like to put you in a box. He would like to put you with all your hopes. All of your dreams about tomorrow. Oh man, I, I think that God could do this. He wants to put you in a box with all your hopes, all your dreams, all the things that you're, uh, you own right now and say, that's it. There's no more joy in your life. That's going to be your life and the rest of your life. Done. Some people here are feeling they're locked in a box. Maybe it's the box of your marriage. Maybe it's the box of your family. The box of your job. Maybe even the shame of your past. And I just like I believe that Jesus came into that darkness and the light blew out the darkness and the hopelessness. In this story, he touches the box and says, Arise and shine. Come on out. And the boy sat up and spoke. Now, now let me ask you, what, what do you think he said? Now, now again, it's one thing when, when somebody that was dead is moving and he sits up. Is he alive? But when he speaks, there's no question. And I believe that he was saying to the crowd, I was blind, but now I see. I was dead and now I live. Jimmy, give me back my pants. That's my hat over there. Give it back. Those are my shoes. And let me tell you, just symbolic. I think that when we understand that God gets us out of the box, that we can go to the enemy and say, okay, I want all that stuff back. All those years that you've stolen from me, I want it all back. Can you say amen to that? Come on. Time for you to get happy. I want it all back. My hope, my family, my marriage, my future. I'm tired of feeling frustrated, busted, disgusted, always being down in the mouth. Devil, it's time for me to put a smile on my face and allow those people around me to see that I was in that box, but I refuse to stay in the box. Let me tell you, we live in a world of boxes. Now watch out, it's going to get deep here in a minute. You go to the post office and you have mailboxes and drop boxes. In golf, there's tea boxes. Come on, put a lot of work into this message. Basketball or baseball, you have a batter's box. In hockey, you have a penalty box. In boxing, you have boxing. All right. <laughs> Football, you have a box seat that you can sit in. The media has press boxes. Basketball, you can actually, they say, box out your opponent from the basket. The bigger you are, that's, that's why I never played basketball, if you'd like to know. In the railroad, there's boxcars. If you behave yourselves, ladies, on Valentine's Day, you get a box of chocolates. Restaurants have to-go boxes. The politicians have to worry about ballot boxes. 
And if you're from my generation, you had a boombox that you'd carry. Look out. Let me tell you that we live in a society, in a world, in a culture, all the boxes. And again, let me remind you what I've already said is we begin to downplay the purpose and the identity of who God has given us in our life and and for the people around us. We downplay that in our identity. Oh, because what I found out is what I know. I think everybody else knows. That's just not true. And it's the same thing with you. There's things that God has given you that you downplay. Is ah, what am, What's God going to do with that? Let me tell you. God created you with a purpose, for a purpose. And do not let yourself buy into the lie that you have to be a replica of somebody else. All these boxes. Again, let me remind you. This series is entitled, You Are an Original. And today's sermon is the sabotage of the box. The definition of sabotage is an underhand interference with production advancement in your life. The definition of a coffin is defined again by Webster as a box or a chest, an enclosure, a lit up, to lit up. God has created you with a purpose and the enemy wants to sabotage that purpose by running interference in any advancement that God has for you in your life. The question is, will you let him? Because see, the box defines boundaries. And the bigger the problem is, you have to ask yourself, how big is my God? Is my God bigger than these little boundaries that I see myself in right now? Let me just say this, that I believe that some people have been in the box that the enemy has put them in so long that they became and they become familiar with that box. And that box turns into a coffin. And they get to the place where they go, this is just the way that I'm going to live the rest of my life in this box. Let me, let me kind of... Let me encourage you to think something here. Is maybe that's the reason why you have never allowed the Holy Spirit to come into your life and to be able to speak to you in a personal way. Because you say, you know what? I I just had a religious box that I grew up in and that was enough for mommy and daddy and that's enough for me. And and I I just, you know, I I don't know if I could allow God into my life like that. I'm so familiar with this little box that it's, this is good enough for me. Do you know in the Old Testament, when you think about the, the Ark of the Covenant being a box and wherever the, the box went, where the presence of God was and they had to follow the box and, and, and they realized that where the box was, there was victory. But let me tell you, in the New Testament, we do not serve the God in the Ark of the Covenant. We serve a God that the Bible says that became flesh and dwells among us. Now, now watch this, that when you realize that he is not a God that wants to be in a box, that you say, well, that's where you're going to stay, God. Then all of a sudden you realize that God says, no, no, I'm bigger than any box that you're going to put me in. I want to go home with you. I want to go to work on Monday morning with you. I want to do life with you. I I live more than just a, a little box at the church that maybe you attend. Can I encourage you get happy come on God 
loves you so much and has created you with a purpose that he wants to live inside your heart. Can I go a little bit further? Because I might just kind of step on some toes. And I want to let you know up front, I love you. God is not able to be kept into our boundaries. He's not wanting you to, to think that God... You know what? Can I just tell you, God is not a Republican or a Democrat. Got nervous there, didn't you? Can, can I tell you that, that God is not... This might be Lord. Not Assembly of God. He's a Catholic. He's a Baptist. He's, he's all of them. Can, can I tell you, this, this might be a little hard. He, he, he's not just an American, huh? Can, can I go a little bit further? You still love me? He's not just a Texan. Come on. Our God doesn't have boundaries. He's not in a white box, a brown box, a black box, an Asian box. He loves the person in Africa. He loves the guy in Brazil. And Daniel and Giselle, if you're listening to me, yeah. See, we, we begin to think of him in this box that we have him all figured out and he's got to work this way. See, the question isn't, is God with us? The question is, are we with God? Sometimes those that have been in the box for quite a while needs to come alive. Kind of move a little bit. Try something a little bit different. Allow God to speak into your life. Sometimes you need to move the little bit and just stick up a hand. Hallelujah. Lightning didn't strike me. How about two right there? You realize that praising God isn't a chapel thing, right? It's a Bible thing. You know, you know why some people don't tithe? Okay, I just killed it right there. I could see it. All the oxygen sucked out of the building right there. Because some people say, you know what, God? I, I want you in my life, but I, I don't want you in my life like that. I, I don't want you in my finances. This is my box. This is my life. Let me tell you, that where I want God is right in the middle of my finances. Let, let me tell you this. Sometimes we get discouraged and we treat God as, as kind of like a... Uh-oh. Just for you. We treat God like a jack-in-the-box. And what we do is we kind of say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go church today. I haven't been there in a while. I'm a little discouraged. And I, I hope, I hope, Lisa, she better have some good songs on her. I, I want her to be rocking up there. I mean, I need, I need the Holy Spirit to be. And, and Pastor John, you better not be bringing any of that big game in here. You bet, and all of a sudden we begin to. Oh, I feel it. I feel it. Come on.
we go, God, I feel you. We let him get out of the box on Sunday and we're here praising God and we get all excited and we say, man, wasn't that a great service? I loved it. Man, I'm going to detect the world. We go home. We go, God, get back right in the box. This is Monday. You don't work out here in the real world like that. We say, God, I felt good on Sunday, but but let's let's just keep keep that on Sunday. And God is saying, I, I want you to allow me out of the box of your life. I, I want to do something new in your life. I will work in the real world like you never have seen before if you'll allow me. Now let me close with this. And the enemy treats us, if we're not careful, like what we're treating God. And what the enemy says is, I don't care how excited you get on Sunday, as long as you guys just stay together and then when you Get out of church. Just get right back in your box of fear and doubt and unbelief and shame and confusion. Believing that things will never change. To always be in the negative things that you're going through right now will always be the light in your life. And you know what we need to do to the enemy? We, we need to just coin, we need to just do a song for him. You know what song we need to, to have? If you can't hear that, it's Hit the Road Jack. Can you say amen to that crazy song right there? Thank you, cut that off. So every time that the enemy comes back to you and says, you know what? You're never going to be that again. You might think that you're original, but I got ten people just like you. You can say, hit the road, Jack. And don't come back. Because my God has come up And touch the very thing that has kept me bound in my life. And I'm not going to live in that box anymore. This morning, in just a few seconds that we have left, I'm going to say something and then we're going to go into another part. I'm going to allow you, because we're we're always in a fast community, but I want the worship team to come up. and, And what we're going to do is give you a chance to respond to what you've heard today. If this morning you're in a place where you say, you know what, the enemy has tried to put me in a box so much and every time that I feel like I'm going to be able to break out, it's an endless cycle of just continually reminding me that there's nothing special. Well, this morning there is. And this morning, I want to end by saying this. If you go to the New Testament, the one place that a box is mentioned is probably so powerful that I can't go without mentioning it. It was the alabaster box. And the lady that was a prostitute, the lady that had come and she had broke the alabaster jar, the the box that the perfume was in, and began to pour it on Jesus' feet and wash his feet. People were going, what is she doing? What is he doing? What she was doing is she was saying, you know what, the thing that people know me as and has put me in the box as a prostitute I'm going to pour it out at Jesus' feet. 
And let me tell you, what gets you out of the box is repentance and then God's grace to you. And this morning, I want you to do that. If this morning you're in that place, I want you to come forward. We're going to have some worship or some prayer teams if you guys would just come at this time. And as we sing this song, and it's a song of worship and then a song of praise. If you would, would you just stand with me right now? Allow these confessions to come out of your mouth. That's what a song is. And as you stand, if you're in that spot, I want to give you an opportunity just to come and allow somebody to agree with you in prayer on that. And we're going to see victory. How many people believe in the spiritual realm that we'll hear the crushing of boxes today? Amen. So as we sing this song of faith, if you're in that spot, just come up. Say, I want you to agree with me in prayer. And they'll pray with you. Amen.